So great to have you here. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. I want to uh, take my thought this morning from uh, the phrase in the middle of that verse where it says, ye prisoners of hope. And I want to talk today on that thought, a prisoner of hope. Under the reading of the Word of God, would everybody say in Jesus' name? name. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Prisoner of hope. That phrase just jumped out at me as I was uh, looking at that verse and considering what a good God that we have and how he restores things. We understand the word prisoner. Uh, When you're a prisoner, we know that that means that you are restricted in your freedoms and that you don't have as many choices. You're a prisoner. You can't just depart uh, from your present surroundings. Your movement is confined. Uh, We understand this and we do not normally, naturally see the word prisoner as a favorable word or a favorable condition. So when that word prisoner is united with the word hope, it is a a dichotomy or an oxymoron, so to speak, two things coming together that don't uh, naturally fit. Uh, An example of an oxymoron is um, jumbo shrimp, for example. Is it jumbo or is it shrimp? I mean, it's it's either big or it's little, but jumbo shrimp together becomes an oxymoron. Another example of an oxymoron is airplane food. Is it edible or is it served on an airplane? Those two things don't naturally uh, go together. And uh, so you see that even though we're uh, teasing about those oxymorons, it is uh, something that is a part of our English uh, vernacular and language that sometimes words on their own uh, will have one meaning, but when they're joined with other words, seemingly of opposite nature, they come together to form an interesting phrase. Prisoner of hope. It seems like a contrast at first glance. But upon further reflection, it is perhaps, I believe, a defining description of a Christian that has been saved. We are prisoners of hope. We can't help but believe. That tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday. That 2023 is going to be better than 2022. Though our circumstances may uh, be adversarial, though we may be facing an environment that is not conducive to a, a positive line of thinking, yet in our spirit, in our heart, we can't help but believe that as long as God is on the throne, everything is going to be all right. We are a prisoner, a prisoner of hope. We have been arrested by the grace and goodness of God. And we are held captive by our belief that God is going to turn everything for our good. 
even whenever people may come against you, we're still a prisoner of hope. That though I may be suffering now, God's going to turn it around to my advantage. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I just believe he's going to do it. Because I'm a prisoner of hope. It doesn't always make sense. It's not always logical. It's not something your friends or unsafe family members are going to be able to understand. But you just say, hey, I can't tell you how or when or why. I just know that my God is a faithful God. And I'm a prisoner to my faith in God. And I think if you've served God for uh, any length of time, then we are comfortable with that notion. We we understand uh, trust. You you don't make it very far along in this journey if you don't learn to trust, uh, to believe. Uh, we live with hope. We have that hope in heaven. Uh, the the visible. A physical world that we live in is confined by death, but we are confined by hope. That's why uh, we we can say that we're going to miss our our dear uh, sister Carol Saez deeply, a lady who has been so instrumental in the past 39 years in demonstrating what this church stands for by loving everybody, sending cards. I mean, even I remember the summer that I was in law school and I studied in Oxford and she sent me uh, bulletins every week. Uh, she sent me newspaper clippings of things that were happening in Palm Bay and Melbourne. And I mean, even my own family didn't do that, but Sister Carol... <laughs> I mean, I just threw a brick right there, didn't I? I didn't even mean to. Sister Carol would send all of this stuff, you know, to... To remind me, don't get too high fluting over there in Oxford and forget about us here in Palm Bay. I mean, I don't think that was her motive. I think that she was just a loving person. She would send handwritten cards and gifts and, and, and do all kinds of things for our kids and our family. I mean, she was just a, the epitome of a Christian. And so we, we miss her being here. Even uh, last Sunday when she was here in her wheelchair because she's been uh, battling with these uh, strokes for the last couple of years and been confined to assisted living. But yet when I, I talked with her husband, he said, you know, I feel at peace because I know she doesn't have to suffer anymore. You know, somebody that doesn't know God, they, they, they don't have that uh, hope of heaven like you and I do. And so we were prisoners to the health of these bodies. If you don't know God, you're a prisoner to the suffering of this body. But oh, when you know Jesus, you're the prisoner of hope. You've got the hope of heaven. You know that this is just the dress rehearsal, that we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Oh, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. I've got the hope of heaven. I've got the hope that one day the dead in Christ are going to rise. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. We are prisoners of hope. We can look around this world and we can see that things are deteriorating quickly, rapidly, even in our own nation. But we don't get depressed and discouraged about that. Maybe if you listen to the news all day, you will. But turn that off and get in your Bible. And you'll become a prisoner of hope. 
You don't need to be a prisoner to CNN and Fox News and ABC. You don't need to be a prisoner to social media. You need to be a prisoner to hope. You won't get hope in this world. You'll get depressed if you just listen to the voices of this world. But oh, when I look into the Word of God. Come on, you got to get a hold of the promises of God's Word and say, this year is going to be the best yet. I'm going to win somebody to God this year. I'm going to teach a whole Bible study this year. I'm a prisoner of hope. This is why Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. I'm going to win either way. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Now I want you to think about that. Because I think there's something really insightful in that phrase. For me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. You see, when you're a prisoner of hope, even death has a reward that cannot be achieved in life. Now let me see if I can unpack this for just a moment. This part of of hope is intriguing for me because it has an element that seems to escalate our belief that we're going to do more than just recover. We're going to get back more than we had before. You see, God restores. But when we think of restoration, we think of recovering what we have lost. But this verse says you're going to get double back. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to get back double. So that when God, who is a master restorer, when He restores a life, when He restores a mind, when He restores your emotions... You don't just learn to live at a level playing field. You come out better than you were before. That's why we're a prisoner of hope. Because even if the the enemy who is the master thief, the Bible said he'd come to steal and kill and destroy. He tries to take stuff out of your life. Well, listen, don't worry about it. Because God's not going to just give you that back. He's going to give you back more. He's going to give you double for your trouble. He's going to give you back double. He's going to restore you. Not just to where you were before. But He's going to give it to you in a greater game than ever before. That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. Because when sin comes in and fully metastasizes and becomes death, guess what happens? There's still a God who's going to have the final say. And when the dead in Christ shall rise first, guess what? We're going to go to a reward that's even greater than what this life was. That's why I can't help but be excited on the new year of 2023. God's going to reward. God's going to restore. You say, it's hard for me to rejoice, Pastor, because my son's not serving God right now. Well, I've come to give you good news. God's going to restore your son. But it's not going to just be your son. He's going to make your son a mighty witness and a testimony. And your son's going to come back and get saved. And then he's going to witness to other people. And it's going to multiply. 
You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I'm a prisoner of hope. That's how I know it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to start speaking things into existence. You need to get up every day and begin to speak it into existence. Come on, this year, my son's coming back. This year, my children's coming back. This year, I'm going to be renewed and restored. Everything that was taken, not just all restored, there's going to be more in the end. I said it's going to be more in the end than it was before. Because the trial and the trouble multiplies the restoration process. Is it possible that when we go through tribulation, we are literally being set up for a double portion? <laughs> Let me give you an example. A friend of mine in Texas is a restorer of old cars and trucks. He finds these old cars and trucks. Many of them have been neglected, pushed aside, forgotten. And they may not have run for a long time, busted and broken. And he adds things to them that they never had before, like air conditioning, power steering, bigger engines, etc. He makes them more useful and more valuable in their restored state than they were in their original state. You see that old truck up there? That's an old truck. That's a 1946 Chevrolet that he found up in the panhandle of Texas that was buried in sand. They had to have a front-end loader to come and pull that thing out. And when he restored that thing, that thing is worth more now than it was ever worth coming off the assembly line. And whenever we asked him about it, he said, all I can tell you is that I'm a master restorer. I said, that's what my Jesus is. He's a master restorer. Oh, the miracle of life is amazing. I mean, when we were born, came off the assembly line, there was value. Every life has value. But oh, guess what? Some of you understand you're worth more now than you were before. Because he's restored you. He's given you gifts you would have never had on your own. He's put things inside of you you would have never had on your own. He's given you joy for your suffering. He's given you a dance that you never had. He's put some peace in the mix. He's made you more valuable than ever. You may have been broke, busted, and disgusted, but God came along and found you. Pulled you out of the miry clay. Set you on the rock to stay. Oh, hallelujah. You're more valuable now than you've ever been before. Because of the double portion factor of God's restoring nature. But it's illustrated to us even in these physical bodies. When uh, my son Gregory broke his arm when he was quite young. And we were concerned because the bones are are very pliable when they're young and they call it a green break and the uh, orthopedic surgeon I believe it was Dr. Turlings he said I want you to know something this right here is where the break is and he said when it comes back together the calcium that the body and the cells and 
It knows where the break is. And he said, all we have to do is align it. But he said, they start pouring calcium to that area. And he said, when he's through healing, that area of the break will be stronger than the rest of his arm. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you why that excites me. Because I see where God has programmed it into the DNA of the human structure. So that you and I could know that God does not just restore something back to how it was. He restores it to a greater position. I want to tell somebody today, you feel like you'll never be but the same because of the mistakes that you made in the past. I've come to tell you that God's going to restore you. And it's not going to just be back to where you were before the mistake. You're going to be stronger than you ever were before. You're going to be bolder than you ever were before. You've got a testimony now. You've been through a trial, but now you've got a testimony. So the question this morning is, how do you hope when you're facing tribulation? Paul gives the formula in Romans chapter 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Wait a second. How can you glory in tribulations? Are you saying, Paul, that you enjoy suffering? No, just on your own, you wouldn't enjoy suffering. No one would. But it's what we know is the process that we rejoice in. We don't see it as just a tribulation. We see it as an ingredient in a process that's going to enable God to give us even greater blessing than before. He says this, we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. We're a prisoner of hope. We're going to get to hope one way or another. Everybody else thinks we're crazy. But guess what? They don't have that prisoner mindset. We're prisoners of hope. That's why you can talk to somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost. And you can tell they're suffering. They may even be dealing with cancer. Brother Frank right here has been dealing with cancer in his arm and cancer all in his body three or four different times. And they keep telling him he's healed. And they say it's come back. And then he's healed and come back. But every time you talk to Frank, Frank will say, you know what? I believe God's going to give me a good report. Every time he goes to the doctor, he gets a good report. He refuses to be defeated. You know why? Frank, you're a prisoner of hope. You believe it's going to be better than it was yesterday. And I joined together with you. You're going to be healed in Jesus' name because we're prisoners of hope. I want to prophesy to somebody in this building. You're going to be restored. You're going to be healed. This is the year of restoration. Come on, you ought to shout under the Lord. You ought to shout, 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 shout. Let's stand to our feet. I feel something moving in the Holy Ghost right now.
Jesus. Woo. God is moving right now. God is moving right now. Jesus. Jesus. We're not a prisoner to circumstance. We're not a prisoner to sickness. We're not a prisoner of death. We are a prisoner of hope. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. I open up this altar. If you want to believe God this year for something that you believe, there's faith that's rising right now. It's not just in the building, it's in you. I said there's faith that's rising right now. I wonder right now, would you lift your hands and your voice? And would you begin to speak it into existence? I believe I shall be made whole. I believe that God's going to do more than restore all things. He's going to give me double for my trouble.
start this year by dismissing with a shout of triumph that's so loud that even hell can hear it. We're shouting with the voice of triumph in anticipation of the victory. We not only believe it, we speak it, we declare it, and we rejoice in it. Come on, as we dismiss, why don't you lift your hands and your voice? Shout! Shout with the voice of triumph!